Welcome to the Sober Nation FM podcast, where we're putting recovery on the map. I'm your host, Jonathan Sylvester. This show is brought to you by Sobriety Engine. Do you want to take your recovery to the next level? Do you want more support, community, and fellowship? Sobriety Engine is an incredible free online community of men and women supporting each other in their recovery. You can get a ton of great tips, resources, and guidance to help you succeed in recovery and in life. Visit sobrietyengine.com to join today. Sober Nation FM is also brought to you by Recover Health. If you're ready to get fit and start living a healthier lifestyle all while supporting your sobriety, then you can learn more about having me as your own personal fitness and nutrition coach at rcvrhealth.com. And whether you're listening to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or watching on YouTube, please share this with your friends, follow, subscribe, and leave a review. Nation, let's hop right into today's episode. Today, I'll be speaking with best-selling author, life coach, and international speaker, David Essel. Thanks for coming on the show, David. Hey, Jonathan, great to be with you. Yeah, great to have you here. I'm super excited. We have a lot to talk about. I want to talk about your work as a coach and as a speaker. Uh, I also want to hear about uh, your writing as well. But first, I'd really like to jump in and hear a little bit more uh, about your story. So where did your relationship with addiction actually start, would you say? Jonathan, it's a kind of a bizarre start, but it's something that um, now I look back on and realize the signs at at about between eight and 10 years of age, probably about eight. um, I was a very difficult child, extremely sensitive, like all of us addicts and alcoholics are, we're outrageously sensitive. And my parents didn't know how to handle a sensitive child. So the only emotion, this is not blending my parents at all, you know, but the only emotion they understood was happiness. So if I came home and I was an athlete and I came home and had a bad game, like they, they wouldn't allow me to have those feelings of anger, resentment, frustration. It was always, oh, you'll do better tomorrow. You'll do better tomorrow. Well, as a child, when you're not allowed to express your emotions that people deem negative, sadness, shame, guilt, anger, rage, resentment, it's got to go somewhere. And so for me, at around eight years of age, so angry, I went downstairs, I was raised in Syracuse, New York, where we actually had cellars. I live in Florida, and there's no such thing as a cellar here. My mom used to do her own jam. And I found by eating a half a bottle of jam, I totally calmed down. Wow. All of my anger was gone. So you know where I spent most of my time, Jonathan, in the cellar, right? It's like eight to 10, eight to 12. Then at 12, I, we, we had a summer camp and I wanted to hang out with the 16 year old guys. And the only reason at 12, the only way they would let me if was if I drank. So I had my first beer at 12 and it was freaking magical. You know, like all of my cares and worries in the world were gone. My parents down my ass, it didn't matter anymore. You know, I was in an altered state and that's the beginning of it. And then at 13, I'm into pot, at 16 into cocaine, quaaludes. I mean, everything in the world, mushrooms, yeah. you name it. As we move forward, though, one of the most difficult things as a former, you know, and I don't even call myself, Jonathan, a former alcoholic addict. I'm just David Essel. But in my past life, when I was in the world of addiction, Mm -hmm. it is so hard to see our blind spots. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been a counselor for 42 freaking years. And I can tell you, trying to find your blind spots on your own is impossible. So it wasn't until I actually had an opportunity. and, And part of it was in 1990, I was suicidal. And in the suicidal rage that I was in, I had all the materials planned, the day planned of how I was going to take my life. And it was addiction driven. 
because from when I was a little kid, Jonathan, I had so much anxiety, so and depression was huge in my life. So I self-medicated until 1990, and then I couldn't do it anymore. And about 10 minutes before I was going to take my life, I chickened out, quite honestly. I just chickened out, grabbed a phone book. In 1990, there was no internet. We had phone books, and we had actual phones on the wall. <laughs> and I called every psychiatrist in town, and no one would take me in. So finally, I just circled one, and I'll never forget the guy's name, Jeffrey Liu, a psychiatrist, drove to the office, walked in the door. The secretary said, I told you we can't see you for three months. And I said, I'm sitting here until the doctor comes out of that office. I am not leaving. Go to the hospital. They can help you. I'm not leaving. At around 6 o'clock, he came out, and he was shocked to see me there. The secretary had already left, and he said, what are you doing here? And I said, I wanted to kill myself today. And Jonathan, the most amazing thing happened next. He said, son, come right in. I can help you. Hmm. And that was the start of my healing. You know, that was the, the bottom, if you want to call it. You know, when we talk about bottoms, there's no such thing as a bottom. Right, you know, right. a bottom for a 16-year-old is a hangover. And he or she says, I'm never drinking again. And then you can have 60 UIs and lose your license and never quit drinking. Hmm. So a bottom is a personal choice. Sure. That's all a bottom is. However much pain you want to go through, the bottom is endless. <clears throat> yeah. You can lose lives. You can kill people. You can do whatever you want to do. You can lose marriages like I did. You can lose it all until you find your bottom. And a bottom is simply your choice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they say the bottom is when you stop digging, right? That, that's, where, <laughs> that's, that's, right. Where the, that's where the bottom is. So now you, you get into, you're doing therapy. Um, just, I, I know clearly there was a lot of work. That, that had to to go into this process. But but what does it look like for the most part? What is the work that that you're doing? Um, and how does it how does it progress? How does the recovery progress, if you will? Jonathan, great questions. You know, we we do this very differently. You know, our we have a holistic addiction recovery program that we created 30 years ago. And you know, we believe without being cocky or arrogant, it's the best program in the world. And the reason why is that we go after everything that 12 steps can't do, everything Celebrate Recovery can't do, everything Smart Recovery can't do. And it's not that those programs don't help some people, but you know, the weird thing is the success rate in 12 step programs is 10%. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Their success rate is 10%. They're heralded as the go-to addiction recovery program in right. the world. And they have a 90% failure rate. So I went through a treatment center. I went through 12-step program. I went 120 days to meetings in a row. I got everything I could out of it. And I'll tell you, the number one benefit of 12-step program, any kind, nicotine anonymous, uh, alcoholics anonymous, um, foodie addicts anonymous, sex addicts anonymous, it's all the same thing. The one major benefit is walking into a room and admitting you have an issue. Mm -hmm. To me, that's the biggest benefit of 12-step, but we have to be realistic. Now, listen, if 12-step works for you and you're watching this and you're pissed off at me right now, that's okay. As long as it works <laughs> I'm for you. A, I'm a 12-step guy and I feel okay about it. I'm, oh, good. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm hearing you. You know, and it's like, if it works for you, work it. You know, if you love it, love it. But watch this. Have you cross-addicted? Most people in those programs, most people in all programs, Jonathan, cross-addict. I did. With all my brilliant knowledge in the world... <laughs> When I got out and got totally clean, I went right to sugar. 
Okay. I consumed yeah. huge amounts of sugar. Other sure. people go to nicotine, other people pot, other people, uh, all kinds of uh, caffeine. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. You go into meetings and there's 7,000 coffee pots brewing at all times. That's called a cross freaking addiction gang. Yeah. yeah. So in our holistic addiction program, you know, we do something that no one does and that's brain chemistry supplementation with amino acids. Jonathan, there is so much power to help the brain reclaim its ability to focus, mood elevation, that brain chemistry supplementation with amino acids helps, but you don't hear that talked about. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What about emotional regulation? You don't hear these words, you know, in these different programs. Yeah. Emotional regulation is the most important concept of recovery. Yeah, and so I, and I, I wanted to ask you about that. So tell us what that is. What, what is emotional regulation? Why yeah. is it important to people in recovery? Yeah, you know, it's so crucial. So emotional regulation says I come to a trigger. Okay. A person I can't stand, a frustration at work, mm -hmm. um, you know, a, a, an argument with my partner, uh, an argument with the next door neighbor, my boss is a dick, whatever it is, yeah. we come to that space and time. And instead of reacting as addicts and alcoholics do, impatient, arrogant, you know, all the words, instead of that, we pull back and we make a choice of how we want to react. And this is the crux of recovery. If people aren't taught this, you're never going to recover at the highest level possible. But when you're in control, like I've got a guy right now who is in my program, right? I think we're at eight months or something like that. Okay. The other day he was at, and, and we, we, I write articles for recovery today magazine, which I think is one of the yeah. top magazines in the world. And I wrote this article that's coming up in another month. And I included a story about emotional regulation with my client. Now, this is a guy that used to drink and be irritable and a dick in traffic with his family, everything. You know, he was he just he was just an alcoholic. Mm. You know, most of us are just dicks if we want to be honest with each other. And so it's really true. Right. So he goes now he hasn't drank in eight months and he goes to his father in law's house to prepare it because his father in law is coming into town. Okay. So he's sweeping the pool deck and cleaning the pool deck. And then he started screening or cleaning the screen above the pool. Mm -hmm. He wasn't looking where he walked and he walked backwards right into the pool. He had his cell phone in his pocket. Oh man. So he goes down and on the way down, he's thinking, now this is powerful. How am I going to react to this? See, that's emotional regulation. Mm -hmm. So he comes to the surface and his whole family is expecting the old individual screaming, yelling, why the hell didn't someone tell me I was that close to the pool? Blaming others, right? He comes to the surface and his 16-year-old daughter comes over with this big eyes on her face going, what's dad gonna do? Mm. He reached in his pocket, hands her the phone and said, honey, would you put that in some rice, please? And he gets out of the pool and the whole family is shocked, Jonathan. That's emotional regulation. He had a choice, mm. but it takes a while to be able to learn that right. because we're so into instant gratification as an addict or an alcoholic. Sure. You know, we want change like that. So we can change our mood in 45 seconds, have a drink in 45 seconds. Your mood has changed. Yeah. Take a drag on a cigarette in 10 seconds. Your mood has changed. Emotional regulation takes time, Jonathan, but you know, I'll tell you, my mom died two months ago, a oh, horrendous battle with dementia. I mean, shit. The worst freaking disease that I've ever seen next to Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS. She suffered intensely for 12 months. It crushed our whole family. When she finally did pass a couple months ago, I got the call on a Monday at 1130. 
at 10 a.m., I had gotten an image in my mind that my mom was being floated to heaven. And at 11.30, I get the call. She passed at 10 o'clock. It was so amazing. But here's the point. With emotional regulation, Jonathan, there was never even a thought of having a drink over my mom's death. When I went to the wake, to the funeral, to you know everything, there was alcohol, of course, available any place you wanted to have it. Mm. I never even thought about it. And, you know, and, and the wild thing about that is, is that my mom and I were one. We were so intertwined. Now, from zero to 18, I swear to God, if she could have killed me and gotten away with it, she would have easily, 150 times. After I matured around 25, we created this bond that is so, it's still here today, even though she's gone. And when you have a bond with someone that tight and they die and you're in the past would have reached out for something, and you never even think about it, Jonathan. That's right. what our program does. That's how powerful holistic addiction recovery is. And people need to know you're not an alcoholic for life. You're not an addict for life. If you want to carry those labels, go ahead. But to me, you're screwing yourself. Why be? Why call yourself an alcoholic for life? It's not true. Millions of us. I'm not the only one who's completely sober and never thinks about having a drink or snorting coke. Millions of us. We are completely free. And as I said earlier, Jonathan, and this is so important, drop the freaking labels, drop the labels and just be you. Hmm. Yeah. So I, and I want to ask about that. You know, this is a conversation I have a lot and, you know, I, I think, especially from, uh, you know, interviewing people with, with all different uh, viewpoints and, and, you know, we want to be presenting uh, a, a full picture and a full spectrum of what's going on in recovery, right? And actually, you know, a while back, we did have uh, a guy on the show, a, a buddy of mine that I'm close to, and he was talking about the use of amino acids and, and all kinds of stuff. Now, funny enough, he's actually a 12-step guy too. So I guess he found kind of a combination there. But, um, you know, so I see both sides of this. Uh, for, for me personally, I'll just lay this out. When I'm in a a 12 step meeting and I say, Hey, I'm Jonathan. I'm, I'm an alcoholic. Now from a label, like you're talking about from like a label and almost say from like a personal development side, you know, just because I'm, I'm into a lot of that stuff. Like I see how that could be a negative thing on the flip side, because like I'm, I'm continuing to live that out. Now. I also know that for me, when I'm saying that it's more about not, hey, this is this is who I am. I'm this old bad person or whatever. It's it's more of a uh, I'm part of this bigger thing. But but tell me what what is the kind of the negative side of that of, of the labeling yourself like that. You know, Jonathan, honestly, it's horrendous. Um, you know, in psychology, we all know this, what we feed our brain, we become. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to feed your brain every day saying that you are a negative, mm -hmm. because being an alcoholic is a freaking negative, who I mean, who wants to cherish that, you know, like, who wants to say, Hi, I'm an alcoholic. I, to me, it's insane. And here's the problem. The conscious mind can say, I'm just saying it because I'm in this group and because this is what group that believes and right. I don't want to be you know, outside of the group and, and I'll tell you how to get around saying I'm an alcoholic and still be in 12 step meetings because we teach people this stuff all the time. The problem is back here, the subconscious mind, which is where our work is. 
the subconscious mind takes everything you think and say as serious. So if every day or three times a week, you're in a meeting saying, hi, I'm David, I'm an alcoholic, that subconscious is saying, yup, you're still a problem. Yup, you're still a problem. Yup, you're still a problem. Mm. Because there's no benefit in saying you're an alcoholic unless you're an alcoholic. Now, if you go to a meeting and you drank the night before, hell yeah, <laughs> say, I'm David and I'm an alcoholic because you just freaking drank. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, it will take you down. It limits your growth. It limits your ability to have the highest levels of self-esteem and confidence possible. Because when someone says that they're an alcoholic, that is not living the life of your dreams. I can okay. promise you that. That's not what we grow up to be. Yeah. Hi, I'm an alcoholic. I've been waiting my whole life to be able to raise my hand and say that every day. Now I feel better. You know, like uh, to me, Jonathan, again, now listen, it sounds like I'm really beating up the 12-step program. And in a way I am. Because for 80 years, they have not changed a damn thing about the program. Yeah. And Jonathan, tell me this. What other organization in the world continues to use operations from 80 years ago with never updating? Mm -hmm. Can you imagine a car dealership right now today using file cabinets? How far are they going to get in the competition? Right, right. Right? Yeah. The other thing that you know I'm totally against is the one day at a time totally against sobriety one day at a time. We won't work with people who say they want to get sober one day at a time. And here's the analogy I give. Where's the commitment? Yeah, I, that, yeah. I agree, that I agree with 100%. You know, yeah. it, it, it's so I say to people this, I go, okay, if you turn to your wife and said, I'm going to marry you one day at a time. <laughs> right, right. You yeah. think she's going to be ecstatic yeah. about yeah. the fact that, oh my God, I get to marry Jonathan sure. today only. And then you go, and we'll see how we do tomorrow. Honey. Right. Well, and, and I think, and look, I, I get that. And I'll be, I'll be honest. Look, er, early on, uh, that's something that, uh, you know, I'm not going to say I struggled, struggled with, but it was, okay, one day at a time, uh, but also I need to be commit. I want to commit to this and I need to be thinking ahead. But I, I think you can agree that the one day at a time, like in, in the bigger picture, the thought is, is mainly about mindfulness, right? Let me focus on, on today. Now I want to ask you, let's say, how can I go into a 12 step program and say, Hey, I'm, I'm Jonathan. I'm here. I'm part of this and not, not label myself an alcoholic. How, I how do I do question. that? Yeah. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. This is awesome. All you do is say, hi, I'm Jonathan. And I'm grateful to be here today. Mm. Yeah. That's it. No more words needed. No, nothing, nothing. Um, you know, I don't believe in speakers meetings. And the reason I don't is because every speakers meeting I ever went to 45 minutes of absolute BS reliving the past, who the hell needs to hear that? Why don't we have it 55 minutes of how I have changed mm. since being in this program yeah. and five minutes about your nonsense background. And the other thing, Jonathan, we all know this, people make crap up when they're on that, they'll make their story 10 times worse than it's been. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, I, uh, the, the, probably the, some of the most important advice, cause I've told my story a lot and I retell it, you know, bits and pieces on the show is to leave plenty of room for the solution, like yeah. the good stuff that's happening. Right. And so the first few times it was just like a dumpster fire, you know, it was like the last two minutes of it was, Oh, and my life has gotten better. So I, you know, I, I see, I, I see what you're saying. 
Now, one thing I wanted to ask you about is you also, it's also your, your opinion that there is no specific gene related to, to addiction, right? What, why do you say that? Well, no, we don't say there's not a gene. We okay. say that genes are not the cause of okay. any addiction in the world. Okay, okay, got it. And it's really important. So when you're born, mm -hmm. like, okay, I was born with the gene of alcoholism, and I proved it quite well for 30 years. I was okay. a perfect alcoholic. Okay. Alcoholism runs in my family left and right. If I lost an aunt to wet brain, which is the end result of alcoholism, and that is a disgusting way to see someone die. Yeah. It is horrendous. So it's in our family, my brother, myself, you know, I mean, there's just millions of proof that we know that we're genetically uh, behind the eight ball regarding alcoholism. However, the gene can only be activated by repetitively drinking alcohol. That's why it's not the cause of our addiction. Uh. At 44 years of age, I had a woman come to me who was a raging alcoholic. As a matter of fact, she had gotten out of the hospital the week before with the highest blood level ever recorded in the state of Florida of alcohol. They couldn't understand how she even survived. Hmm. So we bring her into the office and we start working with her for about a year. We found out that until about six months before I met her, she had never had a drink in her life. And even though her family was filled with alcoholism, she had never drank. And so uh, she came home one day and that year and there was a message from her husband saying, here's the divorce papers, you'll never see me again. She was wailing and screaming in her house and the next door neighbor came running over and immediately went and bought two bottles of wine and came back and said, we need to have a few drinks. That triggered the genetic code inside her or what is known as a genome. And within seven days, she went from having two glasses of wine a day to a, a, a quart of vodka a day. And then it just kept increasing. So there is a genetic link, but we can't blame genetics. Because you, the gene doesn't pull your ass into a bar and put a beer in your mouth. It doesn't pull you to a liquor store. It doesn't pull you into a party and force you to drink. Yeah. It's all choice, Jonathan. Yeah. And when we can get that in our heads and quit, because when we say that it's a disease, it's not a freaking disease. Cancer is a goddamn disease. Alcoholism is a choice. If you don't drink, you don't have a problem. That's yeah. how freaking simple it is. And the other reason we say it's not a disease and it's not genetically caused, and this is huge, if it was caused by genetics, the only cure would be medical intervention. Hmm. You can't cure a genetic disease without medical intervention. And yet, Jonathan, you and I know there are millions of people that get sober every day without any medical help at all. Yeah, yeah. So we sure. have to blow this crap out of the water take full responsibility. See, being an addict or alcoholic for life, it's a disease. These are all reasons to put a foot out the door. Mm -hmm. These are all excuses to give us an opportunity to relapse, which is why I come down so hard on these ridiculous statements, Jonathan, because we want people to be sober for life. We want them to see. Now, the first, I, and I say this to everyone, my first year of recovery sucked. It was horrendous. I was filled with all the anxiety and depression I had never taken care of, but I had nullified with addiction so my first year was not a pretty place you know i was in a treatment center then i hired counselors yeah. for 52 street weeks because i knew it was going to be tough after that first year it has been a walk in the park but it's a walk in the park because i have an hour of daily rituals i do first thing in the morning mm -hmm. meditation prayer gratitude reading journaling 
in order to keep my mind straight. Mm -hmm. And once your mind is straight, you're totally cool. But you've got to have a recovery program seven days a week that you never end if you want to stay clean. Yeah, got it. Yeah. And and so now let me ask you this, because you just went through your uh, your daily routine. Do you think that and I know this is look, uh, not to say that one thing is going to work for everybody, although you may argue that that your program can do just that. But let's let's just kind of assume that it, that one way isn't going to work for absolutely every person out there. Now, not to say that, um, you know, 10 percent in the in the 12 steps is isn't good. But if someone is actually doing those things every day, like I, I think that's part of the thought is, you know, I, I I was one of the people that totally talked shit about 12 step programs. Like when I first got on, introduced, it's a cult. It's bullshit. Uh, doesn't work. And now I know this is not everyone. Okay. So uh, if there's someone listening and, and 12 steps really didn't, didn't work for them and they put in the effort, not speaking to you. For me, what I did was I went in, expected some kind of osmosis reaction to work by me just being in the room and didn't do any of the things that were being suggested. The, th the thing's very similar to what you just said. Hey, prayer, meditation, Boom, boom, right? Do these things. So how much of the, the success rate is related to, in your mind, the fact that, yes, it is the, the main thing that's like, like courts and people to 12-step programs and so on. So it's, it's, it's getting the most people, right? But that versus the amount of people doing the work, quote unquote, like wh what kind of discrepancy do you see there? I mean, do you think there are people that are going in that just aren't doing what they need to be doing or, or what is what is the thinking there? Yeah, Jonathan, it's the same for every program. I okay. mean, we have clients that hire me sure. and within three weeks, I let them go. Okay, got it. Yeah, because they're not doing the work, mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, all the excuses in the world are just going to keep you wrapped in the mire of addiction. So sure. I say to our clients right up front, if you, you, they have homework every week. So here's something different too. Yeah. In our program, you work at seven days a week in writing and you have all of these rituals and you have all of this emotional regulation that you're learning and you're okay. taking amino acid supplementation for focus, mood balance, sleep, everything that you can imagine, right? Like we look at the full freaking picture. So when you're doing that, you're still gonna have some people that will refuse to do the work and we sure. just let them go. I, I'm not gonna waste my time and their money and their time if they're not gonna put the effort in. Yeah. But it really comes down to, I think, a couple of things. Now, I went to 120 straight days of 12-step of meetings. When mm -hmm. I got out of my treatment center, I gave it a really good shot. Yeah. I got everything I needed out of it in sure. 120 days. And I took the good. And to me, the best thing in the world is walking in and saying, you have an issue. Mm -hmm. I think that's so vulnerable. You're so freaking vulnerable. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a beautiful sign that you want to recover. But then you've got to have something more than talking to a sponsor once a day or doing your 7 a.m., hi, I'm clean, or 7 p.m., I hadn't drank today. We need a hell of a lot more work than that, Jonathan. Than that's, and, and even with all their fourth-step work and everything yeah. else, which is great. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. We need to go deeper. The yeah. other thing is, bless every sponsor's heart, but none of them or very few of them have any background in psychology. True. They don't know yeah. emotional regulation. They yeah. don't know the difference between the conscious and subconscious. They don't know how to turn the subconscious that's been trained for 30 years with alcohol around 
they, they just it's because they're not professional yeah are yeah. they doing the best they can probably but you know i went through in 120 days i was trying to find a sponsor and i had to go through four of them because you know one of them was telling me i had to pray to jesus christ i said really listen i'm a minister don't tell me who i have to pray for right or who right. to you know yeah, it's like yeah so i got rid of him then another guy said you have to call me every day at 6 a.m i said no i'm not going to call you every day at 6 a.m i got rid of him then i finally found the coolest freaking dude in the world jonathan oh my god and he was a former undercover cop for 17 years that stayed undercover so he could snort coke and drink alcohol wow. i love him wow. he's freaking awesome and he's the one and this is my second day in 12 steps when we were going or in 12 step meeting we're going around and people are going i'm tim and i'm an alcoholic and i said i ain't saying it i don't know what i'm going to say but i am not freaking saying that i'm smarter than this for god's sake phil my sponsor was sitting right next to me and he goes i'm phil it's Saturday. It's great to be alive. And I go, Oh my God, I love you. <laughs> so wow. we walked out afterwards and he looked at me and he goes, I've seen you here for a while, but do you have a sponsor? I go, now I do. <laughs> we had a great time. We met for a month, once a week for a month. You know, we talked, he understood my positioning on what was missing in the program. He totally agreed with me. He never tried to force me to accept the dogma of the 12 step program. And when I told him I wasn't coming back anymore, he goes, I totally understand. Now that's a guy that's open-minded and really sure. wants people to heal. Yeah, yeah. But you know, if 12-step doesn't work and you like group work, go to smart recovery. Right. If smart yeah. recovery doesn't work, go to celebrate recovery. Mm -hmm. If celebrate recovery doesn't work, go to rational recovery. Rational recovery is very different than yeah. most other programs out there. Yeah. So, you know, like you have a thousand options. Work with me for God's sake. You know, yeah. listen to this. We have a hundred percent guarantee on our addiction recovery course, on all of our courses, Jonathan, 100% guarantee. You go through the course with me, we guarantee when you do what we say, you will be sober, you will go into recovery. That's how confident we are. And wow. we've had that guarantee for 30 years. Now you're bringing up that, that like we discussed and look, we're, we're not here. I think this is a healthy discussion, right? I, I'm, I'm not saying, Hey, uh, you know, 12 steps is better than this or, or anything like that. Like, because I think the discussion needs to be had. I, I think the point is there's a lot of different paths out there. Right. I think there's also no question that there are way too many people dying out there right now for us to be sitting around arguing about this is the way, no, that's the way. But that being said, I, I think there's two important points. One um, you know, there are some changes that need to be made, you know, I, I think in, in probably all of these programs. And not only that, I, I think, uh, you know, it, it's important that we keep an open mind is the bottom line. So I, I want to ask you this, you know, putting aside the 12 step or this or that, what are some things that you do as a coach and as a counselor that you think would be beneficial to the people listening to this right now i would say number one put all of your effort into finding someone that understands emotional regulation and work with them listen here's here's the bottom line if you haven't been able to get yourself clean by now you're never going to do it on your own that's just purely a fact drop your ego get humble hire someone that knows the world of addiction and knows emotional regulation it's the most important thing 
when you're emotionally regulated, you say, okay, I'm going to a wedding. What do I need to do to prevent any chance of a relapse? Well, one thing would be to get a sober buddy to go with me. Another thing to do would be to call every freaking person that I know that's going to be there and tell them I'm in recovery. And I'm being dead serious. That's emotional regulation. We are proactive in our work to stay clean, Jonathan. That's emotional regulation. So that is the most important thing to learn. And there's a thousand tools to learn it. Okay, there's a band on my wrist right here. And it, and it goes along with a therapeutic process that is one of our big go-tos. It's called cognitive behavioral therapy. You can take away a craving in a half of a second. And this is what I'm saying. Like, there are so many tools out there that people don't know about, Jonathan, from the world of psychotherapy that are crucial in the world of recovery. Um, there's a program called the Sedona Method that we teach that is powerful, again, in helping people make last-second decisions when cravings hit or they're feeling peer pressure from their friends, whatever. And it doesn't matter what addiction, alcohol, food, nicotine, pot, it's all the same. So if you can find a counselor, uh, uh, maybe a master coach that really truly understands emotional regulation. And I'm going to point back here again, the subconscious. So the subconscious mind can either be an ally or it can be a saboteur. What we do is when we feed it that every night at eight o'clock, I have a glass of wine or every Friday I get smashed or every whatever I go on a cocaine binge or I smoke pot every night now to avoid my children because they're a pain in the ass. Whatever we're doing, you know, like that all gets talked into the subconscious. The subconscious cannot differentiate, Jonathan, between a habit that we're taking in that is healthy or one that is unhealthy. It can't tell the difference. It just says, oh, David likes to have a drink every night at eight. Oh, he likes to have two bottles every night at eight. That data is stored so that when I'm triggered, boredom or excitement, mm -hmm. anger or inner peace, mm -hmm. anything can trigger the addict. Yeah. We always are looking for a trigger, right? So that's the subconscious. So if you're going to work with someone, work with someone that understands emotional regulation, the subconscious mind. This has to be turned 180 degrees to be sober for life. <clears throat> when it is turned 180 degrees, I walk into parties with lines of cocaine on a, on a table. And I smile. I go to a funeral with people getting drunk. And I smile. Not one thing will ever take me to that point. If I can go past my mom's death, who was my best friend, my best teacher, my unbelievable partner in life, in many ways she has been. If I can go through her death without ever thinking about using a substance, Jonathan, that's called full recovery. And that's where I am just David Essel. I don't yeah. even talk about recovery. I'm just David Essel. Got it. Yeah. Now I want to switch gears here. I want to ask you about one of your books. It's titled <laughs> Focus, Drop the Law of Attraction, which I want to ask you about that part. <laughs> Slay Your Goals, The Proven Guide to Huge Success, A Powerful Attitude and Profound Love. So who do you write the book for and what's it about? <laughs> well, first of all, let me tell you this. That book that you chose, which is fascinating, you chose it. It is the most, we have uh, 11 or 12 books out now. It has been the most celebrated book we've ever written. Mm -hmm. Bookauthority.org called Focus, Slay Your Goals, one of the top 100 goal-setting books ever written in the history of time. Wow. And they put us, Jonathan, right next to Dale Carnegie. Wow. I mean, it wow. could not have been a more profound opportunity or experience for us. 
But the book Focus, you know, we, we talk about the law of attraction from 1980 till 1996. I talked a lot about Yeah. So, and break that down for our, for our listeners real quick, the, the gist of it. That's not something we've really talked about too much specifically on the show. Okay. So the law of attraction says this. Well, first of all, it's a bunch of crap, but I taught it for 17 years. So <laughs> I have to apologize for teaching crap. <laughs> the law of attraction says this. It's so sophomoric. It's so kindergarten-like. It's so fantastical thinking. It's ridiculous. <clears throat> Whatever you put out with your thoughts mm -hmm. to the universe, mm -hmm. whatever the universe is, it must return in kind. It is the biggest piece of crap theory that I used to teach. It's the biggest nonsense. Do you know how many times, as a matter of fact, this is how I exposed myself that it was nonsense. 1996, Jonathan, I got a chance to interview one of the most profound teachers that ever walked this earth. He died a couple of years ago. He radically changed my life in 1987. And then in 1996, he chose my radio show as the only show in the world to, to promote the 40th anniversary of Transcendental Meditation. Wow. Transcendental meditation is my go-to. I've been doing it since 87. We teach it. It's freaking amazing. It To me, it's the most powerful form of meditation in the world. And every addict, alcoholic, whether in use or sober, really should be doing intense meditation daily. So we get Maharishi on the show. He selects our show. We couldn't believe it. And we had this great interview. And he is one of the most intelligent people in the world. So we were on a break. And he says to me, hey, you really love this positive thinking stuff. And I go, oh my God, it's phenomenal. He goes, does it work for you? I go, yes. He said, you believe in affirmations? I go, I sure do, because this is where the law of attraction lies. You put out an affirmation and it must return. He said, tell me your favorite affirmation. I go, let me tell you the one I've been saying for 20 years. I'm David Essel, a child of God, happy, healthy, and sober today. And he looks at me and he goes, are all those words true? And I lied. Mm. And I said, yes. He said, that's great. As long as your affirmations are real and valid, keep saying them. Mm -hmm. But if you say affirmations to yourself that are lies, you have no integrity. I go, oh my God, Maharishi, this is so great. Three weeks later, I awaken and I'm in Orlando, Florida, speaking at a conference. And this tiny little woman walks up to me at the end of the line. And she says, can I interview you? I have 20 minutes and I have to fly back to my hometown. I said, what magazine are you with? She goes, I'm not. I'm with Maharishi. And he flew me here because he wants me to ask you one question. I said, oh, my God, let's wow. go. We went wow. and got coffee. And she said, what do you remember from the interview? Now, the thing I remembered is that I lied. That's what I remember, that I said I was sober and I'm not. But I didn't want to say that to her, right? I mean, Jonathan, I'm not yeah. going to tell someone I lied. And so right. I said, no, I, I can't think of anything. And she goes, what do you remember of him the most? I said, oh, my God, his unbridled joy. And she said, David, I'm going to tell you something that you're probably not going to want to hear. And you probably won't understand it for a while. But the reason that you re only remember his joy is because you don't have any. Wow. Jonathan, it hit me so hard, but I still didn't understand it. And I started to defend it. What do you mean I don't have joy? I host a radio show in 300 cities. I live on the beach, blah, blah, blah. I'm filled with joy. She goes, Dave, and I know you think you are. But at some time in the future, you're going to realize that the reason I'm here is going to change your life. 
Three weeks later, Tuesday afternoon, 1996, 2.30, I come back from another four-day cocaine alcohol binge. The sheets in my bed were filled with blood, which is very normal when you're a binge cocaine addict. I get up, I look in the mirror at 2.30, and I said, you have no joy. The law of attraction that I had been fooling myself with for 17 freaking years made me feel great every morning. I'm David Essel. I'm a multimillionaire. I'm David Essel. I'm sober. I'm David Essel. I'm a size two, even though I'm a size freaking 18. It actually reduces your motivation to change. It destroys your drive to change because after a month or two months or six months or 17 years, in my case, of saying an affirmation that never comes true, you eventually give up, Jonathan. Yeah. yeah. And it's a lie. You know, how many bodybuilders do you know that have medals standing on the stage via affirmations and vision boards? Mm -hmm. How many surgeons do you know that became brain surgeons via affirmations and vision boards? Because according to the law of attraction, Whatever you throw out there must come back in kind. Right. You know, it's so sophomoric, Jonathan. And so, you know, when we write our books and, and we say 12-step is limited, law of attraction is limited, it's because we want people to know the truth. It's not because I'm promoting David Essel as the only truth bearer. Oh, my God. There's millions of people that have the same philosophies that I do, that understand what it means to be recovered, that understand what it means to actually work. You know, the people that teach the law of attraction, it always shocks me. They make money from selling a fantasy. Right. But yeah. again, all the clients, I'm 42 years, Jonathan, I've never seen someone recover because of an affirmation or make a million dollars because of an affirmation. But I have seen people become incredibly successful when they do what 90% of the rest of us won't do, the hard work. The hard work. Yeah. Got it. So how do you actually slay your goals? Like what, what is it that you lay out in this book that, that I, I don't want to uh, d diminish it, but it, you know, just for the sake of time, what, yeah. what is the gist of, of what you lay out and, and what could the listeners really take away from what's in this book? Uh, in 1996, we came up with a program called the one thing theory. And the one thing theory states this at any one given time in life, there's only one goal to go after. It's the one you've denied, delayed, procrastinated. It's the one you don't want to do. That goal is your goal to freedom. It's your key to freedom. It's your pathway to freedom. But most of it, Jonathan, what we do is we come in to hire someone like me and we go, I want you to teach me how to make a million dollars. Well, guess what? If your belief systems about money suck, I could teach you the greatest program in the world and you will sabotage it because your beliefs are not equal to you earning a million dollars a year. As a matter of fact, to wake everyone up, to earn a million dollars a year is 82,000 freaking dollars a month. Mm -hmm. There is a tiny percentage of people in this world that have the drive, the gift, the talent to make $82,000 a month. So if you have ridiculous affirmations, if you have ridiculous concepts, you're a size 18 and you're calling yourself a size two, at some point, you're just going to lose focus because that kind of stuff doesn't happen. But if it did happen, we would just say it was a miracle. And the other thing about the law of attraction, Jonathan, if it was a law, it should work for everyone. Right. And if it was a law and all you could say is, I am sober and you'd be sober, you would not have a job. I would not have a job. There'd be no need for books, counselors, coaches, therapists, doctors, because all we would say is, I am perfect health. 
and somehow the universe makes us perfectly healthy. So we need to just get back into reality. You know, sometimes, yeah. Jonathan, people go to me, you sound like my freaking grandfather. And I take that as a compliment because they knew that that dedication and hard work to your marriage, to your body, to your spirit, to your attitude, yeah. to your fine, it takes work to progress as a human being. But you know, in our instant gratification society, we would love to take a pill to be sober, mm. to lose weight forever. It's not gonna happen, but we can make major changes if we're willing to do that work. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, you've mentioned just doing the, the hard work a few times and I'd agree 100%. And, and I think that again, you know, I've, re I've really enjoyed our conversation, you know, and I think that, um, you know, some people might kind of take it the wrong way for me, what I'm taking it as, as someone that's in a 12 step program, um, is, is really, and I've had this conversation a lot lately too. It's really, there needs to be more that we're doing. We need to be trying different things. I mean, I think that even when someone gets into, let's say, a particular program, no matter, you know, 12 steps, smart recovery, no matter what it is, e even your program, I think we still need to be looking for other ways to uh, add to our recovery uh, and to, to live a happy and healthy life. And, and I think that's really the, the most important thing. Um, it is to keep kind of searching for that and keep doing the hard work, like you said. So I, I really love that. I think that's a great point. Now, before we wrap up, David, I want to ask if there's maybe one piece of advice you'd like to share with the sober nation, whether it's for someone that's been struggling to get sober, someone that's been sober for a while and, and really just not, not finding that happy life that they're really looking for, if you have any advice for them. You know, we get good advice from people every day that we don't follow, Jonathan. You know, I mean, if we, if I look back in the beginning of my recovery, I remember at, at the treatment center, there was a therapist, Kevin, and we had this love-hate relationship type of a thing, you know, and then at the end, we loved each other immensely. He told me some of the simplest things in the world, you know, to follow, and I, I didn't right away, right? It was too simple. You know, he said, when you get up in the morning, first thing, you know, drop to your knees. You know, I didn't want to drop to my knees, right? And then the second thing in the morning when you get up, grab your pen and paper and write what you're grateful for. Now, in, as a therapist, I've been doing that for years. So that wasn't an issue. But there were other things that he wanted me to do that I struggled with. You know, he said, you've really got to find a hobby that begins at 801 because at 801 is where you've drank for the past 30 years. And that was accurate, you know, but I didn't take advantage of his information until I heard it the fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh time mm -hmm. from someone else. Mm -hmm. So what I would say is if you're struggling, write down the advice you've been given from very smart people that you're not following. Like that would be the first place, you know, because you're so much, if you're struggling, you're still smart. If you're struggling, you may not want to do what these people are saying, but do it anyway. Write down those tips, write down those things that people have said, and then look at yourself in the mirror and say, can I start to be serious today? Can I start to do these things I've been told to do today for years? You know, I would start there, Jonathan, because we, you know, we have so much wisdom inside us that we don't use for God's sake. So let's use that wisdom, number one. Number two, and I've said this a thousand times, I'm a fan of group work. And you know, until COVID, we used to do a ton of group work and now we're slowly getting back into it. But on top of group work, you need one-on-one -on -one assistance. I guarantee it. Groups can be great for certain people, but you need someone to drill down deep who's a professional, who's trained in this area, to drill down deep and see 
What is the source of the addiction? Who am I modeling from childhood? How do I let go of the subconscious mind that's saying, you deserve this? Mm. Hey, you deserve this one drink. You've been doing great for six months. You deserve to have a glass of wine on your birthday. You know, all of that kind of stuff back here, we need to eradicate. So grab your groups. If you love your groups, go and rock it. Write down the tips that you've been given and start to actually follow them. And then last, at least once a week, work with a professional to help elevate your game. Wow. Wow. Three really solid tips there, David. So you can find David's book, Focus, Slay Your Goals on Amazon, and you can learn more about his program and working with him at davidessel.com. Thanks again for coming on the show, David. Jonathan, I had a great time. You're a super interview you and have a wonderful rest of your day, brother. Be sure to check out the show notes for all the info from today's episode. Sober Nation FM is brought to you by Sobriety Engine. Sobriety Engine is a free online community of men and women supporting each other in their recovery. Visit sobrietyengine.com to join today. This show is also brought to you by Recover Health. If you're ready to get fit and start living a healthier lifestyle while supporting your sobriety, you can learn more about having me as your own personal fitness and nutrition coach at rcvrhealth.com. And again, whether you're listening to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or watching on YouTube, please share this with your friends, follow, subscribe, and leave us a review. Nation, thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.